Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, where we hear about how God is at work in people's lives and in the world today. We're excited you've joined us. Here's our host, Brett Marani. One of my favorite things about hosting this weekly interview on Sound of Truth podcast is reconnecting with old friends, and that's the case with my guest this week. His name is William Marshall, and William and I met 26 years ago when I was serving as pastor in Western Kentucky, and William was a freshman at Union University, which is my alma mater. And I contacted the university and asked if they would send up a, what was then known as a revival team, which was a a group of college students who would come up and one of them would like lead the worship. Another one would provide activities and games for youth. There might've been a fourth. I don't remember, but William was the preacher that they sent up. And I immediately liked this young man and we had a great weekend together. He did a fabulous job preaching the gospel and exalting Christ in our pulpit that weekend at our church. And we also had some really healthy, robust theological discussions that led to a continued correspondence and relationship and friendship. William's married to Glenna for two decades now, 20 years. They have two boys, Isaiah and Ian. William? Mm -hmm. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. Good to have you on here, brother. Good to be here with you, Brett. Good to talk with you, brother. So, William, I've asked you to come on and share your story. Tell us your testimony. I don't know that we've discussed this before, but mm-hmm. were you brought to church from an early age? Were you raised in a believing home? Yeah, I was raised in church. Um, my uh, parents were divorced, so I, but my mom uh, always had me in my church, and my dad, when I spent weekends with him, you know, took us to church as well. Uh, my mom was one of those um, believers who thought if the church doors were open, we should be there. And so uh, we were there all the time. I mean, I was constantly, you know, constantly there, constantly in the church. And I loved it. I, I, I loved it from a very early age. And that was a part of my identity even before I was following Jesus. I, you know, I was just a part of the church, a part, part there and, and loved it. So, I, yeah, I was definitely um, born and raised in the church for sure. So what point, William, did you get the message, at least for you personally, that you had a problem known as sin and that Jesus was the answer for that sin problem. Right. Well, what happened with me is uh, pretty similar, I think, for a lot of folks who are raised in the church is I made a quote unquote decision to follow Christ when I was pretty young, probably six or seven, maybe even, or, or maybe eight, got baptized at the church. And honestly, Brad, I'm not, I'm not sure I really understood the gospel at that point, but I knew that was the right thing to do. I mean, I was one of those kids that I loved. I love my mom and wanted to please her. And so I, I did that when I was probably six or seven. And then uh, I was diagnosed with diabetes and when I was in sixth grade. And so that was one of those. I, re- I remember my doctor saying, you know, most people when they're your age don't know what they're going to eventually die from. <laughs> I don't know if that was a good thing for my doctor to say, but uh, he made that statement, you know. And so I began to realize that, wow, I, I could die at some point. Now, now, when you say he said that, you mm-hmm. didn't you didn't finish the sentence as if to say, but now you know. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, but that's pretty much what he was saying, right? That's what he was saying, right? You probably at one point, you know, diabetes is going to catch up with you. Now, that wasn't the whole quote. I don't want to throw my doctor under the bus here, but he he did say, you know, like this is a disease that you can live with for for many, 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 many years, you know. Mm-hmm. And but but just that uh, being diagnosed with a disease that I knew that I was probably going to have for the rest of my life was extremely sobering to me mm. as a sixth grader. You know, sure. like I was just like, whoa. And and I remember 
you know, I mean, I prayed, I asked the Lord to heal me, you know, I asked the Lord to take this from me and didn't, um, the Lord did not do that. And, and yet there was this, the Lord, what the Lord did with diabetes is he really, he really kind of sobered me in life and, and really not, I mean, and I was a kid, you know, but it was that that really taught me, Hey, you need a savior. You don't need to just play games with the church. You know, you don't just need to kind of go and whatever, like you need to be serious. Because life, there's there's a component of life that is extremely serious, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of odd, I think, for me to for the Lord to do that uh, with me when I was in the sixth grade. But that's kind of what the Lord used to to show me my sin, to show me the seriousness of my my sin, uh, to to show me that Jesus really did pay for my sins at the cross. He really did die for me. And you know, a lot of people have testimonies where they talk about well, they were you know caught in this terrible, terrible sin or caught you know. That, that was not my testimony, and yet the Lord still made it very plain to me that I needed a Savior. I was desperate for a Savior mm-hmm. um, because I was a saint. You know, uh, whether you're being disobedient to your parents or whether you're doing drugs, it's still sin, right? It's, it's all sin. And, and so I just, the Lord, the Lord opened my eyes to that and um, really helped me see that when I was in the sixth grade. Now, I know there's different types of diabetes type one, sure. type two, right? So could you educate myself and the audience as to what you were diagnosed with and what the difference is there? Sure. Yeah. I'm a type one diabetic. Uh, normally type one uh, diabetes is something that happens when you're, when you're, uh, you're a child uh, with a um, adolescent, you know, something like that. Even, mm-hmm. even sometimes even younger than that. Type two diabetes is what they call adult onset. So normally it happens with uh, folks who are older. Mm-hmm. And and the difference is, the main difference is, uh, normally with adult onset, you can control it with maybe a pill, um, a diet. You know, sometimes you, you will end up being on insulin. Whereas normally with, with uh, children with type one, you're going to immediately start taking insulin. Like you're going to immediately start taking uh, shots and, and, and it's going to be a little bit more strict with your control of, uh, of the disease. And so that's what happened with you. You immediately went on insulin taking yeah. shots, right? Yeah. And again, that's another thing that the Lord used, right? I'm, I'm kind of, I've gone from this, just eat whenever you want, eat whatever you want, do whatever you, you know, as far as a, a, a meal to where now I'm, I've, I was pretty regimented, right? I had to eat at a certain time. I had to eat a certain number of calories. That was kind of how they controlled diabetes back then. They, that's changed uh, since then. But, but even that, I mean, just helped me kind of realize I need to be disciplined in my life, you know? And so it was probably seventh, eighth grade that I started kind of reading the Bible and having uh, what we called quiet times back then, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting to me to see how the Lord was using things that were not religious in any way, right? A diet and taking shots and taking care of a, you know, taking care of yourself. But he used that, uh, he did use that in spiritual ways in my life uh, to help in other areas. Now, do you still get shots daily, I suppose, right? Yes, I do. Let's see, one, two, three, four shots every day. Okay. Has that been a burden for you or has it become so routine you don't even think twice about it? Yeah, there have been a couple of moments, uh, a couple of seasons maybe, uh, where I really was struggling with diabetes. Diabetes is, again, it's just one of those things that you have to have some discipline in order to control it. And my experience has been sometimes I've been really, really disciplined and been able to control it well. Other times, for different reasons and different circumstances, I haven't been that disciplined. And So I've, I've had a few times where I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm really struggling, you know, dealing with this, really struggling, you know, kind of taking care of this. and. Um, but the Lord's been kind and gracious in those moments, and 
kind of gently as a father does gently said, Hey, if you'll, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to get back to your discipline. You know, you're going to have to get back to where you were before if you're going to, if you're going to get it back under control. And so uh, the Lord has definitely been kind and gracious, but even that's a, I mean, that's been a learning tool for the Lord to teach me, you know, because we're, that's true of us in our, in our spiritual disciplines, right? Mm-hmm. And you go through those seasons where you're like, man, I'm not reading the Bible. I'm not praying. I'm not going to church as much as I, you know, you, you kind of go through those seasons. And I think the Lord in his kindness and his graciousness can come to us and say, Hey, won't you lean back in, right? Why don't you, why don't you start reading the Bible again? Why don't you start, uh, get your prayer life back together? And why don't you, why don't you come to church and get involved in this church a little bit more? And, so, yeah, the Lord, again, used diabetes to kind of teach me some of those spiritual lessons. That's good. So would you say this was when your true conversion occurred was after this diagnosis? You mentioned you weren't sure about when you were younger. Yes, yeah. And uh, it was it was just one of those where the Lord really firmed it up. I actually uh, was baptized a second time because I, I knew, I was just convinced that, the, and this and that happened actually a little season, you know, a little bit later. But the um, I think I was converted in probably sixth grade, and that was when the Lord really began to seriously follow Jesus and and love Him and trust Him and want to learn to obey Him. And, and then as I got older, I think it was probably in eighth grade, maybe I realized, you know, I don't I don't think I was baptized. Actually, I, I heard some teaching on baptism, and uh, I realized I don't think I was baptized as a believer. I think when I was baptized as a kid, I didn't actually know the Lord. And so I was, the Lord convicted me of that, and um, I was baptized again at that, at that point. Okay. What about your high school years? A lot of believers struggle. They get in those teen years and deal with identity, and of course, uh, sexuality becomes so real. What was your walk mm-hmm. like in high school? Did you stray? Did you rebel in any way? Or? Right. The Lord, uh, it was probably my, I think it was my seventh or eighth grade year, uh, one of my youth pastors came to me and said, you know, William, would you be willing to teach a Bible study? <laughs> so I was like, uh, sure. You know, I mean, I would have done, uh, I was at a point in my life where, I, you know, I love my youth pastor so much. So if they'd asked me to do anything, I probably would have at least tried, you know. And so, so I did that and I taught, I taught a little Bible study. Um, and the Lord really used that to show me that I actually really enjoyed that. I'm not saying it was good, <laughs> Brett. It was probably terrible. But I, but the Lord gave me a great love for it, and so that was another way that I kind of, the Lord kind of drew me in to, to really lean in and say. And so, I probably knew when I was a freshman in high school that I was going to go into some type of ministry. I wasn't sure that it would, yeah, I wasn't sure that it would necessarily be pastoral ministry. Probably, if you had asked me then, it would have been um, youth ministry because I just loved, I just loved my youth pastors and they loved us so much. And I thought, man, I want to do that. You know, I want to invest in kids and, and do that. And so. I think I probably would have said uh, youth ministry at that point, but I knew, like I, I knew probably when I was a freshman in high school that I was going to end up going to union. You know, like the Lord really kind of solidified that at an early point in my life, and honestly protected me from a lot of mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at I look at other people's walks in high school, and I mean, what you just described is so common. You know, you make a you make a profession of faith when you're in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and then. You know, you just kind of walk away from the Lord during high school. And then, you know, hopefully by God's grace, he'll bring you back, you know, at some point. But, um, but yeah, so I think the Lord kind of used my call into ministry and used my, because I, I felt like even then I was like, I need to start getting ready. You know, I need to start getting ready to be a pastor. I'm going to start getting ready to be a, you know, and, um, and so one of, you know, one thing that that meant was, is I can't, I can't kind of. Uh, start living like the world and and still claim that I want to I want to be a pastor you know that just didn't that didn't sit well with me and so 
the Lord really used that in his, in his kindness and his mercy uh, to help prevent me from kind of um, taking that similar or that so often taken path. Fast forward, you go to Union University. Yep. That's when we met your yep. freshman year. So you, you grew through your time at Union. When did you meet Glenna? Tell us your story of how the two of you came together. Yeah, so Glenna, Glenna grew up in Jackson and went to, uh, went to Union as well. So we, we met there at Union. I had already graduated. Actually, we met, I think I would have been a junior or senior, and she was like a senior in high school. And that's when we kind of, we did a ministry thing together. I was preaching, she was leading music. And, uh, and so we met there. Uh, we had a bunch of mutual friends, so we kind of hung out together, but there was never really, you know, dated or anything like that. And then I was, uh, I graduated from Union. Glenda was still finishing up and I was in seminary. And that was when there was a, there was a little coffee shop. This would have been after your time, Brett, but there was a little coffee shop, a bagel shop in Jackson called Bubba's Bagels. It was the greatest place ever. And it was kind of a place where the college students hung out a lot. And Glenna hung out there a lot. And I hung out there a lot. And so, you know, we kind of started striking up some conversations and talking. I realized that, there, man, there was some theological depth to her, which at that point was, was really important to me as I was, you know, searching for a wife, knowing that I was going to, you know, be in some type of ministry. And so, so yeah, we just kind of started talking and started hanging out. And the Lord, the Lord brought us together from there. You got married 20 mm-hmm. years ago, which would have been uh, 2003. Yep. yep. You, you said you were in seminary, but you were there in Jackson. Jackson's not known to be a seminary town. Right. We were taking, I, uh, Southern Seminary offered an MDiv course that you could take the majority of your classes at Union's campus. And were you working a job or were you working in a church? What were you doing during that time? Yes, I was working during uh, during college. I worked as a youth pastor, so I did get to do that for uh, three or four years. So I love that. Uh, and then when I was in seminary, when I started seminary, I started working for a local church, Cornerstone Community Church, there in Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I was I was there. I uh, started out as their college minister, so basically just teaching college students and organizing events for college students. And then, and then eventually they needed me to lead worship. And so I started leading, started singing and leading worship. And so I was kind of their college music guy for, uh, while I was in seminary. You're like a five-tool baseball player. You could do it all, man. <laughs> That's right. Here's the thing. I don't do any of it well, right? I just kind of, you know, you just kind of piddle with all of it, you know? But, you know. You left Jackson. Is that when you went to Sykeston? Yes, we graduated. I finished my uh, seminary degree. Uh, there in Jackson in 2005, and uh, the Lord called us to uh, Sykes, and there was a connection. The church that I came to serve at was Trinity Baptist Church. Trinity had a connection with the Union and was seeking, uh, they just needed some guys to come and help fill the pulpit, and uh, one of the guys that they were working with was one of the elders at our church there in Jackson at uh, Cornerstone, and so he had me, he scheduled me to come up and preach some. And so I kind of built a relationship with there, with some of the folks that were there. And, uh, you know, eventually that led to, you know, the um, kind of the search committee saying, hey, would you be willing to, to do this? And what's interesting, I, I love, I mean, I love my church in Jackson. I love Cornerstone. We, I love what I was doing. But I did feel this burden to preach. And uh, actually, uh, one of my good friends from college, Lee Tankersley, who was the pastor there at Cornerstone, mm-hmm. he wrote me this long letter. I still have it. He wrote me this long letter and said, this was essentially what he said. He obviously said it way more eloquently. But he said, look, brother, I want to serve with you. I want you to stay at Cornerstone for the rest of your life. But I don't think I would be a good friend or a good pastor if 
I didn't tell you that I think the Lord wants you to go and preach. Mm. And, um, and that was, that was powerful, you know, and it, it was one of those things that I was wrestling with, but the Lord really used Lee's letter to say, for confirmation, the Lord really used that letter to say, I think the Lord's calling us to pastoral ministry. I love that kingdom mindedness that he displayed there. Yeah. Yeah. He, you know, right. he wanted to keep you there. You know, he wanted, you know, but he was yeah. thinking the kingdom of God, not his, That's just right. his church. You know, yeah, which is right. Jesus's church yeah. anyway. So I mean, that I, I'm right. sure he gets that, and that's why Lee, yeah, had that type of spirit, which is awesome. A couple more questions before I let you go here. This is going to be a little bit of a teaser for a future episode, Lord willing, and okay. lo- would love to have your. Uh, I guess do you guys call yourself co-pastors? Yes, that's right. Co-pastors. Okay, so God's done mm-hmm. a really neat thing in your church and in your uh, co-pastor Kenny. You you pastored mm-hmm. separate congregations, separate denominations, and yet. In the same community, the Lord led you two to come together as one congregation, which I'm not crazy about the term biracial or multiracial. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. one that loves the theological precision of there's one human race. Sure, yeah. But speaking in the world's terms, mm-hmm. two different races with these congregations, you pastored right. a predominantly Anglo church, white, mm-hmm. and Kenny yep. is African-American and pastored right. predominantly what we call black church. Right. Someone has said that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in, a, in America yep. during the week. That's right. And yet God brought the two of your congregations together. Lord willing, we'll do a, a whole episode perhaps with you and, and your co-pastor, Kenny, uh, yeah, about this really unusual congregation. But just give us a little little brief teaser on that. I know that I know that the Sunday school answer really does apply here. Jesus did it, but right. What precipitated this unusual merger? Yeah. Well, I mean, that in and of itself is a long question. I mean, part of it is our family makeup. Part of it is our community makeup. Sykeson was very divided racially. Part of it was my relationship with Kenny. I mean, honestly, it kind of started there. We built a friendship and just the Lord led one thing to the next. And so there were kind of all these different factors, all these different things going on in our ministry, all these different things that the Lord was doing in our lives that honestly, we didn't even know exactly where we definitely didn't know that it was leading to a, um, you know, a church like this. And so the Lord's just kind of leading along all these paths and then he just brings it all together. And uh, it was pretty amazing, pretty pretty humbling honestly just but pretty amazing well we look forward to hearing that full story i want to invite you and kenny to come on we'll, we'll arrange a, a date sometime to record that and and have you here as a weekly right. interview but i did want to just tease a little bit our audience to say we're going to have william sure. back with his ministry colleague at some point in the future and then i i've just another little teaser here for maybe further out in the future uh okay. part of your story with your wife glenna is the uh, struggle that a lot of couples face is infertility and then how the Lord bless your family through adoption. So that's another maybe, and your wife has written a book that touches on that. So Mm -hmm. that's right. So maybe we'll have you and her on here sometime as well, but Hey, William, thank you so much brother for coming on here and sharing your story. Really appreciate what God's doing in your life and in your ministry and, and your friendship as well. Uh, Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amorani, 2023.